0: Around the block, ripping up fantasy stock. Working around the clock. Look at the view from the top. Mm. Researching rookies a lot. No, I just be listening to pods. Yeah, one in particular. I'm just a messenger. Let me just pass on the rock. Uh. Browning, Bruning, Bruning. Pronouncing ain't what he's doing. What he's doing is not losing, but infusing you with new things. And this, Dennis the Bennett. Yeah, the man is a menace. Yeah, building a dynasty. Some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Mm.
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of the fantasy football round table podcast. Do not adjust your headsets or whatever video platform you are on. We are back after a week away, during which time Dennis got to visit California. I worked pretty much every day and uh, Matt, who will be joining us here in a little bit. I'm pretty sure he went to 10,000 soccer practices. But well, uh, 10,000 soccer
2: practices and had a leg amputated, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, his knee's doing a little bit better. You know, age comes for all of us. My niece felt that way after um, the, it was one of our biggest weeks for work. And the way I described it to my wife is I got Disneyland visit level steps without the Disneyland experience. You uh, probably had more fun uh, on your your week off. So how are you doing adjusting back you know, to work week? I'm 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 about a
2: week away from being caught up from missing a week. <laughs> so you know it's just lots of stuff going on. I mean the job's great. Uh, baseball practices started up. Cole started uh, basketball conditioning for the seventh grade basketball team today. Uh, he, said he had a great time and you know, we'll see there were six seventh and eighth graders there so we'll see if he can hold up there's going to be pressure he said that about 30 kids and i'm like man 30 kids don't make the middle school team it's time for you to start stepping it up so but he got a new baseball bat yesterday i gotta say they're a lot more expensive than when i was a kid a lot more expensive i mean
1: Everything's I, we're, more expensive than when we were kids. Every,
2: we, we talked him down from the $400 one.
1: I mean, I don't know how people justified doing real eggs for Easter egg hunts this year because it's like seven. This is gonna make us really old, but it's like seven eighty one 81 for 18 eggs. I remember that used to be like a couple bucks, and right. that was just like six months ago. Well, I mean, he needed a bat because he he
2: he's a big kid, and he needed a, a bat that suited his size. So we got him a 33 inch, 30 ounce bat. And it's a, a, it's a fairly heavy bat. And he went out to practice last night and was clubbing him into, to the outfield. So I'm like, all right, this, it was a good decision. I mean, we spent 12 years going to play it against sports, not a sponsor, um, (laughs) and buying and, and trading in, uh, sports equipment. Um, And so we had, we had over a hundred dollars in store credit on file. So that, that was, that was beneficial that it was a 25% off the bat, you know, the one he wanted, they had a couple others from the same company that were the same bat, just a couple years older and they were new. And so we made him go outside, blindfolded him and had him swing him. And when he couldn't tell
1: the difference, we said, yeah, man, you're getting the cheap one. (laughs) Matt, how is uh, the knee? Are you in the uh, recovery process?
3: Yeah, I'm good. I got a doctor's appointment done and everything. It Looks like uh, you know missed missed any major structural damage, which is which is obviously good news. Uh, got mm-hmm. an MRI scheduled next week. They said at worst, probably just a, a slight meniscus tear. So good to go, ready to oh, what a know, fun time! Though. Get back and playing and salt. Get ready to get back out there playing softball now next Friday. You know, on a bye week this week, perfect time to heal up, and we'll wear a brace and get right back at it.
2: So <laughs> You got to play catcher.
3: Oh, hell no, hell no. I'll be back out in center field. I'll be good to go. That's what the brace is for. It's mechanical. It's got all the great metal stuff on the side for great uh, stability and help uh, keep, you know, the knees stable. Be good to go.
1: Be good to I go. honestly don't know why in a competitive adult softball league you think playing catcher would be safer dennis because
2: sometimes those guys collide as long as it's not like
1: that bryce no
2: no and burn after reading
3: (laughs) most most people won't collide or anything with the catcher the catcher is 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 by far the easiest spot out there they just stand there maybe a tag here and there it's pretty safe but
1: well Let's move on. We have a little bit of news, and then uh, I'm going to grill you guys about your rookie wide receiver and tight end rankings as we head into the draft. But first, you know what? The Daniel Snyder era may almost be over. Uh, there is a new group, the Harris Group, that has put in a $6.05 billion bid, which would top uh, the most recent record sale, which was just last, I think, October. Hasn't even been a year, hasn't even been eight months. Um, that would bring new ownership to the Washington commanders. Matt, what would it mean uh, to move on from the Dan Snyder era for the NFL and for us as fantasy
3: players? I mean, from the fantasy side of things, I don't know what to think. Uh, this owner, he, the, the ownership group or, or the main name there, Josh Harris owns a lot of different teams and, none of which i believe are fairly successful so
1: doesn't he have the philadelphia 76ers
3: yeah i mean they've made the playoffs a couple times but they're not uh, they're the they're the uh what's what's uh what's the term that they kind of coined and and uh trust the process trust the process which it hasn't worked out they built around ben simmons who ended up not doing anything and got traded uh they they've made the playoffs but i don't believe they've made it past the round 1 uh, I want to say the the Devils have been somewhat good. I know Chris Moxley over at C2C, uh he's a big Devils fan, but I don't think they've gotten that far. Crystal Palace, the Premier League team that he owns is uh they're a middle of the table team. So like I, which I feel like Washington probably will be is like a middle of the table NFL team. I think it's definitely good to get away from Daniel Snyder with everything that he was doing and just kind of all the bad things we heard about what that team was doing and and the The, uh, what what was the word? The sexual misconduct stuff that's been alleged and all that. Like, it's great to get him out. New ownership will be good there. But what it means for the team, I don't know. They've been such a dysfunctional franchise for so long, I can't see any reason why it won't be a positive thing to get out from the Daniel Snyder ownership and move on to something new. They've got interesting pieces to build around. In, you know, Terry McLaurin, you've got... Uh, Kyle. Why is his name jumping Jahan out of Dotson. my head? Jahan Dotson. I wanted to say Jaron Hall, who is the BYU quarterback in the draft this year. I cannot for life of me think of his name. Jahan Dotson, you know, they've got Chase Young, but he hasn't really been healthy. They don't have a quarterback. So maybe they make a move up in the draft. Well, you know, I don't know that he's the franchise guy, but hey, I'm, I'm happy for the commanders. There was definitely a lot of fans that were saying, they would not be fans of the team anymore until Daniel Snyder was gone. So from someone who's loved a dysfunctional franchise in the Cleveland Browns and myself, and, 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 you know, happy to see them be a little bit better over the past couple years. Like I'm happy for commanders fans uh, to see him out and they can kind of now come back and be fans of their team again.
1: Uh, Peter popping in there. He said he would take the football version of the 76ers as the commanders right now, Philadelphia 76ers with coach doc rivers are the third seed in the, Eastern Conference and playoffs. How yeah.
3: much you, I, I do not watch much basketball. I watch the playoffs. I do not watch any of it in the regular season. How much you want to make a bet they're out in the first round this year? They're playing paying.
1: Brooklyn. They're going to, I think they'll cream Brooklyn.
3: We'll see. Kevin Durant still. On. No, no. no Brooklyn treated.
1: sold all their assets. That's right.
3: Okay. How much you want to make a bet they get knocked out in the second round then? They won't make it to the third.
2: They'll play Boston, so probably. I just want to know: Am I going to be able to get
1: that kind of ROI on my fantasy teams when I sell them? I know they said Daniel Snyder bought them for eight hundred million, and now yep. sell them for six point oh five billion. So, I think. Dude, so the other thing that strikes me: we all thought Ron Rivera was probably safe because of the ownership situation, but I,
3: I think he's officially on the hot. Seat. I think, I think, yeah, I think he's gone. It's funny. I saw this on Twitter this morning when they were talking about him selling it for six billion. Someone came in and corrected it and said that well, he's actually only going to get two billion dollars back altogether. I was like, oh, okay.
1: Only my only. bad. Yeah, yeah, you know, I oh, I could make two billion
3: work that's for me with with a B, people, not an M. A B, yeah, yeah, you know. I mean, Daniel I can make Snyder. two
1: million work for me. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I'm right there.
3: I can make 200,000 work for me. Just, you know, let's let's figure this out here people. Not that big a deal. Or it is a big deal.
1: Uh Dennis, the other big piece of news probably is uh Odell Beckham Jr. finally uh signs a one-year deal with the Ravens. Says he was offered no guarantee that Lamar Jackson will be there. Um what do you think of the signing and what do you think it means for the Ravens? I mean, he's going to be
2: a decent number 3 receiver for them behind <laughs> Andrews and somebody else. I mean, he's, he's 31 years old. He's had two ACL injuries on the same knee. I mean, we're we're chasing the ghost. It's he's turning into Josh Gordon. And I mean, I don't roster a single share across 20 teams. Uh, I'm not looking to acquire. I, I, you know, I don't know. I, can he be good? I think he can for stretches. He's, I mean, he's, turning into, you know, Deshaun Jackson almost. Yeah, He's going to have some blow-up games, but that offense is still going to run through Mark Andrews. It's still going to run through Lamar Jackson. And I I don't know. I need to see him stay healthy now at this stage. And at 31 years old, I'm just – I mean, it could be a fit. I just don't – I don't know that he's got the same dynamic ability after – Two severe knee injuries.
1: So Peter's really upset because he just traded you Bateman. You didn't even give him credit as the wide receiver. Bateman's coming back from an injury. Bateman will get it next year. The three games he's in there, he probably will be wide receiver too for them. So I, I mean it's one it's one of those cases where if
2: I'm gonna acquire him, it's gonna be such a low draft pick that I'd be willing to give up for him for fantasy. You know, I, I I hope he does well. I don't want to see I'm not looking to see players fail. You I know, mean, I don't want him to get injured. Um, but I you know, I it seems odd that you know he's not really a possession receiver. Lamar throws better over the middle of the field. Um, he can do some other things. Lamar likes to run it or does run it. Um, they got J.K. Dobbins. They're a run heavy team. Uh, you know, we, we've seen, I think, better receivers in his career, uh, i.e., uh, Marquise Brown. And so Odell is, I don't think, ever been known to be that guy that's, hey, I'm good just being a guy. And. If, especially if that they start, I don't think he's, you know, going to be a big benefit to the locker room. So, you know, I hope he succeeds, but uh, I don't know if it's a great fit or not.
3: I'm I'm a little bit more bullish on him, just based on the what you can probably. I would think you could get him for a third, or maybe a a. I don't know that I'd trade a second for him, but. Last time he was in Todd Munkin's offense was his best year in Cleveland. He he had over a thousand yards. I believe it was nine touchdowns. Him and Jarvis Landry both actually had incredible seasons. He also Jarvis Landry also had over a thousand yards. I think we're going to assuming Lamar comes back, which I think is still a very big question mark right now. It seems like, you know, Odell says, I'd love to play with them. And there are, you know, uh someone just came out recently. An NFL player. was doing a podcast interview talking about how he's hearing rumors that there's a lot more players now heading to Baltimore. So maybe Lamar is just on his way back there. But Dennis mentioned, I mean, the the offense is definitely going through Andrews. I don't think any of us question that. But I don't know that I've seen enough from Bateman to just assume he's going to be the two. And if, if Odell, and this is a big if, if Odell can stay healthy, I think he can be the number one wide receiver in the offense, the number two option. We've seen how special he can be if he stays healthy. He was good for the Rams in the back half of that season. You know, I know he hasn't put it all together. It was a bad year in Cleveland before that. Gets traded to the Rams. Looked like he was going to set <clears throat> records in that Super Bowl with how often they were targeting him, how good he looked until he got hurt. If he can stay healthy, like I'm not coming out here and tell you he's going to be a wide receiver one, probably not even a wide receiver two. But I think he can be a consistent option for them because Munkin knows him. I think that's why he signed in Baltimore, to be honest with you. They have the connection, and we've just seen how good that offense can be. One year in Cleveland, and I know it's a little bit of a different game, but two years in Georgia being a – for the, the Georgia Bulldogs, an offense that's not known being good to lead them to two national championships, and making Stetson Bennett look like an actual quarterback, a good quarterback in college football – I, I just wouldn't sell him short. There's a, definitely a lot of ifs, but as Dennis mentioned, what you have to pay for him, I don't think it's a bad bet. Because if you can throw a third-round pick and get him, I think he can be a wide receiver three for you for at least a year or two if he stays healthy. That's not a bad bet. This We're about to talk about it. It's, it's a good draft class when it comes to depth. But not a lot of guys in like the third round I'm willing to bet on. I think I'd rather take the bet on Odell with a third-round pick than a rookie.
1: So uh, the the other piece of news, former uh, number 3 overall pick Jeff Akuta, traded to the Atlanta Falcons. They also signed Bud Dupree. Matt, do you like the moves? Do you like what Atlanta's doing this offseason?
3: I, I like the move if Akuta is, is healthy and can bounce back. Obviously, the torn Achilles, I don't remember him doing much last year. I don't know if that's something like Dennis can – can can let me know how good he did or didn't do because I honestly don't remember. But I think that g- it gives him a pretty good secondary now. If he can bounce back to I mean, people forget because he's been injured. He was what was a number three pick overall by Detroit. I know he's top six. He was, in my opinion, one of the better yeah, members it of that number three. Okay. One of the better members of that secondary, he had a play that should have been a strip fumble recovery against Clemson that would have, would have sent Ohio State on to the, to the national championship that year. Like, In my opinion, he's a very, very good player. It's just how well is he healing up from that Achilles. There were rumors that he wasn't really fitting in in the locker room there with Detroit. But overall, I think, in, at least in my opinion, that gives them a very good secondary overall now adding him in there. So I like it. Baltimore, Atlanta's biggest thing was defense. So you add a guy like that, a former first-round pick, who if he's healthy can be really good. I love it. I'm all in on it.
2: Yeah, I I think he's kind of, after the Achilles injury, it seems like he may be starting to get pushed towards uh, the safety position or a Pete Carroll type of defense where uh, you're, you don't need to have super-fast corners. He did play better last season. Uh, some of his issues have been confidence. Some of it have been the injury, and maybe confidence suffered because of the injuries. Um, you know, but he's six one and two oh five. He's got the size to play safety. I don't know that he's got the, you know, the. I don't know that he's got that dog in him to play safety. You know, there's definitely some guys that get it, like Troy Polamalu, and some guys that just don't. Uh, Speaking of safeties, Buda Baker just requested a trade, according to uh, Ian Rappaport. Um, But I like what the, the Falcons, honestly, they seem like they may be setting up for a Caleb Williams run if they don't grab one of the quarterbacks in this draft. They're bringing in players like Bud Dupree, who's an okay player. He's a journeyman type of guy. They're adding some more pieces, but I don't know that they're building up so so far that they're going to put themselves out of position to be able to get a, um, a, a Caleb Williams or a Drake May next year. Uh, I don't know. Maybe Desmond Ritter takes hold of that job and, and runs with it. And, you know, with Drake London and uh, uh, Kyle Pitts, you know, they've got a couple weapons. You know, their biggest weaknesses are offensive line, defensive line. Uh, I don't hate it for the price they paid, a fifth rounder. I, I do think Okuda will be considered a bust in Detroit, but that doesn't mean he can't go on and have, you know, a seven or eight year career going forward as a defensive back. I mean, Eli Apple has been playing well enough to maintain a starting job in the NFL uh, and he's highly disregarded.
1: Yeah. wasn't the original team that drafted him, the Giants. Yes. Yeah. Well. In the <laughs> yeah. Let's move to some guys who uh, who might uh, want to hear their names called uh, on opening night of the draft, which is now just thirteen days away. Uh, kicks off um, not next Thursday, but the Thursday after. So two weeks from tonight, we'll be just about kicking back, enjoying rounds uh, two and three. Uh, where some of these guys are definitely going to get drafted. Uh, looking at uh, w- rookie wide receivers. Wookie, right? Wide receivers. Apparently it's I'm watching too much Star Wars. Uh, Mandalorian's back. You got you to gotta do what you love. Uh, Dennis, I'll start with you. Who is your number one right now, and are they in a tier by themselves for you? If not, who else would be in that tier?
2: Yeah, I, I've got my guys broken out into tiers, and Jackson Smith and Jigba is my tier one. I mean, there's definitely separation between him uh, and the next set of guys. It, you know, he's the the number one in this class. If he was in last year's class, I don't think he'd be the number one. He's got a lot of talent. He gets open. He's, he's not the fastest, but he's fast enough. I think four or five is basically what he ran. Um, but he's very quick, had a s- super fast three cone. Um, he g- just gets open. He's going to make, make a lot of plays. You know, is he a guy that's going to outrun a lot of the defensive backs for 90 yard touchdowns? No, but 50 yarders, he's going to be able to pull off and he he's quick enough to get some initial separation and, and pull away. He's got great hands. Um, uh, probably end up in the slot but he can play outside so it's not like he'll come off the field in two wide receiver sets uh he's definitely going to be um a guy in that Keenan Allen, Amon-Ra, St. Brown spectrum uh somewhere in there you know not quite as fast as Amon-Ra and not as slow as Keenan Allen but they all get open with route running uh and you know top of stem quickness uh i think he's Probably a top five, top six draft pick in Superflex, top three in one QB drafts.
3: Yeah, my my tier one is also just Jackson Smith and Jigma. Now I, I know that it's you're you're expecting a lot from him. He he likely is only I shouldn't say only he's likely gonna be mainly in the slot. At the NFL level, we haven't seen him play outside for Ohio State. I still believe that he can, but I do think he profiles to be more of a slot wide receiver. So you're hoping that he ends up on like the Cooper Cup spectrum of just getting targeted a lot. The one thing I do think that gives him a little bit of a separation over the other two is that he can separate anywhere. He can separate off the line. He can separate within route, and I do believe he can separate at the catch point as well. And he's just got incredible footwork, incredible hands. He's a very smart player as well. He knows when to attack the holes in defenses and where those holes will be. So wherever he ends up, I think he's going to be a very good wide receiver for you. He doesn't have the highest ceiling of the top three wide receivers, but I do think he has the safest floor of the three. He, he likely in my opinion, will more often than not probably be a wide receiver, two for you in fantasy, depending on landing spot. Uh, but I expect him to be drafted likely in the top 10 of the NFL draft, and I think he's going to be a very good wide receiver for his career.
1: Okay, well, moving on from number one, who would be the guys
3: in your next tier, Matt? So in my next tier, it is just two players, and it is Quentin Johnston and Jordan Addison. Uh both those guys have some holes in their game, but they also have, you know, upside and floors. Jordan Addison, I think, goes right up there with Jay and has a very safe floor, but I do think his upside is cap. Not the fastest guy, but he is an incredible route runner. And he is also a guy that I would say is extremely good at separating within the route. If you want to compare him to somebody in the NFL, He reminds me a lot of Devonta Smith. The difference is I don't think he can take the top off a defense like Devonta Smith can. The other guy in my tier two is Quentin Johnston. Struggles sometimes with concentration drops. uh, Doesn't have the most expansive route tree. If you wanted to compare him to somebody coming out, he does not have the explosiveness, the build, or, or really the upside. So you're talking about the dollar green general version dollar general version of this player. And that's DK Metcalf. If he ends up in the right offense that uses him in the ways that he succeeded in college, I do think Quentin Johnson can be good for you. And I do think if he figures it all out, he is the one out of these three that can be a consistent wide receiver one because he's got the size and he's got the speed, but he's not there yet. And I do think you're going to have to give him time. That doesn't mean he can't produce. We saw DK, Landed in Seattle, and they were like, hey, we know that you're really only good with slants and go routes. That's what we're going to have you do as a rookie. And he succeeded. I don't believe he finishes a wide receiver one, but he was a high-end wide receiver two as a rookie. I think Quentin Johnson can be that, but the team has to lean into that and slowly develop him like Seattle did for DK. So I hope he gets that opportunity. If he ends up in, say, a chargers offense. And they're like, we expect you to be outside by Mike Williams right off the bat. And we're moving Keenan Allen into the slot. I don't know that Quentin Johnson succeeds right away, but he does have the upside of of a top wide receiver.
2: In in my next tier, I have Jordan Addison, Zay Flowers and Josh Downs. Um, And this is a, a group of pretty small receivers that all do a lot of similar things. Uh, I think Downs probably has the best ball skills of the three of them. You know, Addison didn't test great at the combine, but when you look at the tape, I mean, he made Kenny Pickett look fantastic and he looked great at USC. Sometimes you just play faster than you test. You know, there are guys you see out there like I I Evan Hall had a great combine, but when you watch the tape, he just doesn't play as fast as he tested. Um Addison is the opposite of that. He plays faster than he does. Zay Flowers is a, a, another good one out of Boston College. Smaller guy again. Um, pretty good route runner. Gets open quick. I think all three of these guys are going to end up uh, in slot. Uh, would probably, you know, Downs is a little bit thicker than the other two, so he may get a little hide work see if he can handle it and addison is a little bit taller than the other two and so he may get a shot to see if he can handle some of the outside work but i expect all three of them probably to be primarily slot guys Um, it's a interesting dichotomy between this group and my next group
1: yeah why don't you go ahead and give us your your third tier looks like it kicks off with a pair of teammates
2: yeah, the, the next group is there. Most of them are the, the like I'm I'm admittedly team big wide receiver, and you'll find several of those here. So, I have Jalen Hyatt, Cedric Tillman, Marvin Mims, Quentin Johnson, and Jonathan Mingo in my tier three, you know Hyatt is six foot, but he's only one seventy four. Um, he his production profile is a little bit concerning. Only had like two hundred and fifty yards each of his first two seasons and looked to be a little more of the same until Cedric Tillman got injured, and then he really took off. Tillman, uh, in 2021, had a real good year. Tillman is a little bit older, bigger guy, 6'3", 214. Uh, Tillman would be my first big wide receiver off the board if if I'm drafting late first round, uh, early second round. Marvin Mims is a guy that I've been warming up to, though. He's another guy, only 177 pounds. Uh, I got to see him sort of, what kind of opportunity is he going to get at that size? Um, You know, we've had a couple guys come out of Oklahoma that have been that size. They've been really productive in college. Uh, D.D. Westbrook immediately comes to mind that when they got to the NFL, they just couldn't convert. Um their skill set to an n f l skill set i there's a lot on Johnston coming into the evaluation season and he does some things really well sometimes. The issue is that he does those same things not well way too often he runs crossing routes and, and, and uh, Tackle
0: and
3: then so. we'll j- out.
2: and
1: looks like Dennis froze up there for a minute. Do you want to yep. jump into your next here?
3: Yeah. uh, So my tier three has got a couple of the same players there. Uh, Josh Downs and Marvin Mims are the top of my tier three, followed by Cedric Tillman. I have Kayshawn Boutte there. He was in my tier one. It's more a fear of the draft capital. Uh, And then uh, I technically have Jalen Hyatt right here in the bottom of, of my tier three. So I do like Marvin Mims. Uh, my really big thing with him is, is he going to end up getting the draft capital uh, again, just to kind of like give you guys comparisons for those of you who don't maybe watch a lot of college football. He reminds me a lot of uh, Emmanuel Sanders uh, for me, who obviously had a, a really great career overall um, specifically highlighted in Denver, another player that he reminds me of is Santonio Holmes. So if that gives you an idea of where I think he can go uh, for fantasy side of things, but again, A lot of that is going to come down to can he get the volume and does he get the draft capital? Because we've really seen, you know, despite what any of us think of these players at the end of the day, that's what ends up mattering. If they don't get this day one or day two draft capital, just the hit rates on anybody on day three is very small. And I'm not betting on any of those. And unfortunately, Marvin Mims is the one in this group that I fear will not get the day one or day two draft cap. And if he goes in day three, I think you unfortunately have to fade him regardless of how good uh, I possibly think he can be. Zay Flowers and Josh Downs are up to the top. Um, I, do, I agree with kind of what Dennis said. They both profile to be slot wide receivers. Uh, I'm higher on Josh Downs than I am Zay Flowers. Josh Downs, because of his speed and quickness with in route, it is really good. I like Zay a lot. He's tended to not show up though at times when they're playing really good secondaries. And I just don't know that. I think he's my fear with him is I've seen a lot of people comping him to Antonio Brown and mostly in the Twitter, Twitter sphere. and I just don't think that's, a good thing to do to say. I don't think that's there. I don't think he's Antonio Brown. I don't think he's anywhere close to that. And I don't think it's smart to compare people to hall of famers, which is what you're doing, regardless of what he did off the field. If you just take away what Antonio Brown did on the field, minus the Buccaneers thing, like he had a hall of fame career. Jalen high. Well, I'll start with Cedric Tim, because I actually like Tillman. My big fear with him is he's kind of become this contested catch guy, which you don't necessarily see those guys really thriving in in the nfl anymore but i do think that he can he does a very good job of separating at the catch point much like jamar chase's i'm not comparing him to jamar chase but he who he reminds me a lot of is Allen robinson and if i think if you can get an Allen robinson type career out of him i mean Allen robinson was phenomenal having bad quarterbacks throw him the ball cedric tillman's already started off on that way as well would depending on what you think of hendon hooker but for hendon hooker he did not have good quarterbacks at all but i, I do think that he has a chance to be really good. So my fear with Jalen Hyatt, Dennis mentioned the production profile. A lot of people are boosting him up because of the year he had this year and him being a Bulitnikov award winner. But if you go in and you look at Tennessee's offense, there's a lot of concerns for me here. Tennessee, if you, you know, it comes from this Bryles offense that, or it's a Bryles tree, which has guys like Kendall Wright, Terrence Williams, Corey Coleman, Denzel Mims, and there's one other player that I'm forgetting. All those names that I just mentioned should not inspire any confidence because none of them have done... Oh, it's Josh Gordon. The only one on that list that you could consider a hit and would have continued to be a hit had, unfortunately, he not dealt with the the stuff off-field. Every single player that I mentioned on that list, though, not one of them has done anything worth anything in the NFL. Terrence Williams is probably the the next best guy, and he was what? At best, a wide receiver three for you in fantasy. He was a wide receiver two for the Cowboys. Really good wide receiver in the NFL, but never really kind of did it for you in fantasy. Jalen Hyatt, the biggest difference for him and all those other guys, all of those other guys played 70 to 80% outside. Jalen Hyatt played 87% of his snaps in the slot. He is a big slot wide receiver. Why does that matter? Tennessee spreads their offense out. A lot of their wide receivers are standing almost on the sidelines. They spread their offensive line out a little bit as well to spread the defense out. And what they would do is get him in motion and use stacking principles. So what that means is they would have squirrel white or Cedric Tillman stand in front of Jalen Hyatt. And when Hendon hooker would say snap, hut, whatever, whatever, That first wide receiver would go and cause conflict and get the well, not the aggression, not the contact with that defensive back at the line of scrimmage, which then allowed Jalen Hyatt a free release. Jalen Hyatt, a very fast wide receiver, is now coming into conflict with the safeties, who are more than often flat-footed while Jalen Hyatt has already hit full speed, which you saw have a massive amount of success this year, including against Alabama, which is where I think people are are propping up Jalen Hyatt a lot more than they should. I am not telling you that Jalen Hyatt cannot be a good wide receiver. I think he can be. Do not expect him. If he goes in the first round, which all the rumors are saying he will to be a guy that will produce for you this year. He is still a very raw wide receiver. Don't I'm not saying he can't get there. He can possibly but he is a guy who has a very, as well as Quentin Johnson I mentioned earlier, a very limited, and I mean limited, route tree, and has not played physically against defensive backs at all in college. And I would not expect with his frame and him never doing it to just come in and do it in the NFL. So Jalen Hyatt is a guy that personally I'm fading based on cost because if you're taking him in the first round, I think you have to wait. I think he's more on the old school wide receiver trajectory on your waiting two to three years before you actually see return on Jalen Hyatt compared to everybody expecting him to be a year one guy because he likely gets drafted in, in round one.
2: So would you take Tillman over Hyatt? If I you're would. Yes, personally. So would I, I, I have them in the same tier,
1: but they're kind of on opposite ends of the tier. So if I'm counting correctly through three tiers for Sears, each of you have nine Guys. Let me double check. That sounds what it looks like. So, Dennis, why don't you give yours one to nine, and then Matt can give his in order. All right, so I have in tier one, I've got Jackson
2: Smith and Jigba. Tier two, Jordan Addison, Zay Flowers, and Josh Downs. Tier three, Jalen Hyatt, Cedric Tillman, Marvin Mims, Quentin Johnston, and Jonathan Mingo.
3: Uh, in my tier one is JSN. In my tier two, it is uh, Jordan Addison and Quentin Johnston. In my tier three, it is Josh Downs, Zay Flowers, Kayshaun Boutte, Marvin Mims, Cedric Tillman, and Jalen Hyatt.
1: All right. So, Matt, why don't you go ahead and give us your tier four guys?
3: Uh, so I'm going to be honest. My tier four is pretty much everybody else. Um, the top of that tier is Rakeem Jarrett. You're betting solely on on upside and him being able to f- figure it out from a overall play standpoint. So, I mean, this a guy five-star wide receiver coming out of high school. He's got all the athleticism in the world. He just wasn't able to put it together on the field. A lot of that, I think, was probably Maryland's offense. Um, he He's the one that I would bet on being able to figure it out just because he is really good. He is Rashad Bateman with more speed for me. That that's the kind of the the way that I view him outside of him. I mean, Jaden Reed's interesting Parker, Washington, Trey Palmer, Jonathan Mingo, Puka Nakua, A.T. Perry, Nathaniel Dell, you know, Chuck sizzle, Charlie Jones. My thing with all these guys in, in tier four, I just want to see what the draft capital is landing spot. That'll be how I do the, determine how I'll be drafting them in, in the NFL or in my rookie drafts. Cause again, these guys are all in tier four. Cause I just don't think any of them really get day two draft capital. And at the end of the day, just if you look at the hit or like, I'm not a big analytical guy, I mostly rely on film, but if you go look at, at the analytics on this stuff, wide receivers who don't get one or day one or day two draft capital, just don't ever really hit in the NFL. It is a very, very small window and I'm not going to chase. I believe it's 7%. Uh, of those guys end up panning out. I'm not chasing the 7%. At that point, I'm going to pivot to running backs and tight ends and just try and get those wide receivers who drafted day one or day two. So I like all these guys. There's each one of these guys have different profiles that I really like, but at the end of the day, it's going to depend on what the draft capital is.
2: Yeah. I think, you know, this is where it does start to break down, you know, who's going to have the best path to touches the best opportunity. Uh, I have uh, in my next tier, I've got Rashi Rice, Tank Dell, Keishon Butte, and Trey Palmer. Like Rashi Rice and uh, Quentin Johnston uh, were involved in a Freaky Friday accident is is my contention because Quentin Johnston at six foot three and 210 pounds or whatever uh, plays like a six foot, 200 pound Rashi rice and rice at six foot, 200 plays like he's six foot three and 210 pounds. And it kind of, it, it hampers rice. He He's used to playing against some of these lesser school and lesser defensive backs and putting up numbers and being able to out muscle them. He's not going to be big enough to out muscle defensive backs in the NFL. So he's going to have to go through a metamorphosis with his game. Uh, Tank Dell, I mean, it's I struggle calling him Tank at five foot eight and 165 pounds. You know, it, it just it, it his game, well, he's been oddly efficient in the red zone at 5'8, 165. You know, he's gonna be screwed into a slot position. He's not gonna play on the outside. And so you're hoping he's gonna get enough volume and maybe even enough red zone volume to be uh relevant. Keon Butte, you know, he started he went into last year as one of the top receivers in this class and has essentially spent the last 5 months looking disinterested in football. Didn't look like he really prepared for the combine. Um you know, it looked it's almost like he should have just taken this year off and said I'm going to prepare for the NFL after putting up great tape two years ago, uh, because he just doesn't seem to get it. Trey Palmer is a burner, really fast, 433 3 We're going to have to see if he can translate and bring out some other skills to go along with it. But at this point, I'm looking for a guy that, is, uh, that has some upside. And Palmer could potentially be a guy with uh, Deshaun Jackson type of upside, with his size, you know, he's six foot, I think, 190 pounds, and ran a 4:33 at the combine. Will he be able to put it together to be consistent enough in the NFL? Is going to be the real, um, the real thing for him to to figure out. Uh, I, I, my stuff kind of cut out there, and so I didn't talk much about Jonathan Mingo. You know, Mingo is is he's the poster boy for team big wide receiver in this class. Six foot five, 220 pounds. It'll be interesting to see if he he can put it together. He didn't have great quarterback play in college. He didn't, so he didn't have really high production at Arkansas. But he's been rising pretty fast up boards. A lot of scouts have talked about. You you see comments that the NFL is higher on Mingo than than Twitter is. If he gets round two
1: draft capital, I think that's going to really move him. So let me ask you guys a question about wide receivers. Uh, It's pretty well we've seen in most mock drafts, most consensus that you have uh, Bijan Robinson and Jameer Gibbs going kind of one, two, especially in non-super flex leagues. After those two running backs, I'll start with you, Dennis, how many wide receivers would you take before you took, before you were tempted to take a Zach Charbonnet or whoever you have as running back three?
3: Do you freeze again?
1: Yeah. I. So we'll go to you first.
3: Uh, Probably four. I feel comfortable taking Jason, Quentin Johnson, Addison pretty easily. Then it would come down to Josh Downs versus Zach Charbonnet for me. Zach Charbonnet is not my next running back up, but if you're talking about just like running back okay, three. Well,
1: you're running back three, whatever it is. Oh,
3: yeah 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 well i just i was just clarifying you know yeah. like look at yeah yeah my running back three um yeah it'd probably be downs assuming he gets like a decent spot like if he ends up going to uh, like tampa bay i'd probably go running back but but downs it would be probably the like after him i'd, I'd probably take the running back over like zay flowers um butte hyatt tillman those guys because i think they're in such a bigger group like my tier three that like i'm comfortable getting one of those guys later if i can
2: yeah i i'm probably only taking jsn before i dip into charbonnet i mean i've got 20 teams so i'm probably gonna go charbonnet 10 times and split the other 10
1: amongst flowers addison and downs how many uh i'll start with you uh, how many wide receivers do you think will end up
3: uh in your top 12 overall. Ah, uh, 3. I I don't I don't I just can't see putting anybody else in there. It, for me it would be those 3 JSN, uh Quentin Johnson and Jordan Addison. I just my thing with with this class and I, I shouldn't say three, I could see myself moving downs in there. And it's just because this so I mentioned my tier 3 of wide receivers just a minute ago like I would be fine taking any of those guys later in the second round because I feel like they're all in the same kind of bucket. I feel that way about the running backs and the differences for me. The running back class is so deep. To me, there's nobody special outside of Bijan and Jameer Gibbs. Like, I like a lot of it. I like Charbonnet. I like Evans. I like Tank Bigsby. I like Chase Brown. Like, all these guys are Or Kendra Miller, Devin Achane. I like all these guys, but they all fall into, like, similar buckets. So, like, I'm okay taking Josh Downs because – I can get Israel Bonaconda in the third round and there's a chance he's probably going to get at least decent draft capital. And all these guys are all an injury away that I'm fine taking whichever one's the cheapest at that point. So I, I, I could see downs moving up in there, but it wouldn't be more than four.
2: So was the question, how many wide receivers go in the first round? No, in your top 12 oh. overall for rookies. Oh, well, I wish i would have known that. I just had, I had my tears article open I was working on. Oh, wait a minute. I do have it open. Uh, My top 12, so it's uh, Bijan, JSN. We'll see if this article actually pulls up. I think I got maybe four or five, but I don't have any tight ends in my top 12. Um, So what, Bijan, Jackson, Smith, and Jigba, Jameer, Gibbs, Flowers, Addison, Downs, Quentin Johnston, Jalen Hyatt, Cedric Tillman are all at
1: the back end of it in the same tier. So, Well, you mentioned tight ends. Let's go there uh, for a minute. Dennis, give me your top five tight ends in this class.
2: So Kincaid is my one. Um, I think he's going to – so I, my my top tier is three, Kincaid, Michael Mayer, and Luke Musgrave. My concern with Mayer is that, you know, he's not overly athletic, but he is a guy that I think can step into a starting tight end role and, and in 11 personnel be the guy on the field, or 21 personnel, he'll be the guy on the field. And so he, he could get plenty of opportunity because of that. Kincaid is a you know a Mike Gasicki type kind of receiving tight end. Musgrave is the same way. They're both um 6'5 ish, 235, 240 pounds versus Mayer at 250 pounds. Um, so I I I like it Mayor, Kincaid and Musgrave are kind of it's like two Andrews and one Hayden Hurst in that group. And so I, I'm a little nervous about. Mayor. Uh, in my second tier, I've got Laporta, Darnell Washington, and Luke Schoonmaker. Um, you know, I think Laporta comes in with a little bit of tight end university cachet. Uh, he's been productive. Schoonmaker has has looked pretty good. Washington, again, is another guy like Mayer that could get caught up in the wash and end up being involved in the offensive line work uh, an awful lot. Um, And while he's made a couple really nice plays uh, over the course of his career at 6'7", 265 pounds, oftentimes his catches are just kind of releasing off the line, going out 8 or 10 yards, and kind of just floating down the seam, not running real crisp routes. And so uh, I'm going to need to see more development out of Washington. I mean, he athletically – seems to have the tools to develop. We'll we'll see if coaching brings that out of him.
3: All right, so my top five. This is a hard question for me to answer, honestly. Uh, So fairly easily, Michael Mayer, Dalton Kincaid, and Darnell Washington are my top three. Uh, Michael Mayer, just hyper productive. You know, I know not the most athletic guy, still came in with a very high RAS score, which, which really seems to be the best indicator anybody has found for, for success at the tight end position transitioning from college to NFL. And he did it against some of the best defenses in the, you know, Clemson, you know, and he was the offense at Notre Dame. Dalton Kincaid, you know, had an amazing season with Utah. Seems like everything is cleared for him medically, which is really kind of the big concern for, for everybody there. Depending on where he lands, I think he can be an all-out stud. Darnell Washington is an interesting one for me. I, I don't disagree with what Dennis said, that he could end up blocking some because he's just so massive. Anybody who watched the Combine saw him just abuse that, uh, the, the uh, what is that thing? The, the blocking sh- sled? Yeah, the blocking sled where everybody else was struggling with it. Darnell Washington picked that up like a five-year-old. And I swear he was about to throw that thing all over the field. And what makes him so intriguing for me is that he is so big and is so athletic. I actually think the blocking side of things might help him be on the field at all times and could end up being a red zone threat. Realistically, it's kind of all I want from my tight end because there's such a massive, there's such a small gap between, you know, tight end 10 to 24 that if he gets you multiple touchdowns, he probably finishes as a top tight end. And I think a lot of people will fade him. I'm torn after those three between Luke Musgrave, Sam LaPorter, Tucker Craft, and Will Mallory, all of which I think are very talented. They all have very interesting things. You know, Tucker Craft, low-end guy. I know a lot of people may not be willing to bet on him out of South Dakota State. I actually think he has a chance, and I I, I said earlier, I hate comparing players to Hall of Famers. I think he has a chance to be like a Zach Kelsey type or Zach Travis Kelsey type with what he can do uh, as, as an offensive threat. You know, we saw Daniel Bellinger have a, a great season this year, at the most part, uh, at the end of the year for the Giants. I think Luke Musgrave, you know, fits very well into that group. So he's a guy that I really like, a, a guy that I think people will fade. And, and he's a guy that in a lot of mocks have been taken in the fourth round and a guy that I would be willing to bet on is Will Mallory out of Miami. He, he had some injuries, didn't do much Miami's offense really bad, but 6'5", 248, and he compares favorably to guys like Jordan Cameron, Kellen Winslow Jr., Jared Cook, Greg Olson. Like, you list those names, and you're like, that's a very intriguing guy, and I don't think people look at Will Mallory at all because he just wasn't able to do it in college, but you've got to get that out of your head. guy. Like, Travis Kelsey did nothing in college and ended up being an incredible tight end. Noah Fant. Well, he was he was okay. Who was a, George Kittle? Did nothing in college and ended up being really good in the NFL. Just because they don't have college production doesn't mean they won't be good in the NFL. So Will Mallory is is kind of usually jumped in to be my fifth guy. I'm going to bet on the athleticism. Um, I think he's got really good hands, really good route runner. He's a pretty good blocker, and I, I just think people will fade him because he didn't do much in college and was unfortunately in a kind of a bad spot uh, at Miami, and then. Sam Laporta is right there. Like he has a chance to be John Jonu Smith if he lands in the right offense. But realistically, Patriots Jonu Smith? Or- no, no, Titans Jonu Smith. And he's an Iowa tight end, which we've just kind of come to bet on with you know Noah Fant, uh, TJ Hawkinson, George Kittle. Like the the tree, the list of tight ends they developed is long. Realistically, after those top three I'm taking the cheapest one. Like I'm taking whichever one's available in the fourth round and just betting on them because it's fourth round pick, whatever.
1: So you mentioned fourth round a lot in a non super flex, non tight end premium rookie draft. What is the earliest you would consider taking a
3: tight end? I'll start with you, Matt. Fourth round. I'm not taking mayor or Kincaid the hit rate on these tight ends is just not what you'd, I mean, where were people really realistically taking TJ Hawkinson and Noah fan when they came out? Those are probably the most high profile tight ends over the past couple of years. Right. People were
1: even the people that took, Kyle Pitts is like 101. Yeah, exactly. Kind like kind of having regret.
3: So all three of those guys were going in first rounds of rookie drafts based on draft cap on what we expected them to be. Now T.J. Hawkinson had a great year this year after the trade. Noah Fant's been up and down, right? Like he's had his moments, but hasn't put it all together. I expect Kyle Pitts is going to put it together at some point, but he's also been kind of up and down. Really good rookie season, not so great last year. Why wouldn't you just bet on Why wouldn't you just take a guy later than have to be fourth? You could take him in the third too, but why waste that first round pick and not to say that Michael Mayer, Dalton Kincaid can't be good, but why use that first round pick on one of them? When you can get a Quentin Johnson, Jordan Addison, Josh Downs, or if you want to go the running back route, Zach Charbonnet, Zach Evans, tank Bigsby, go that route and then take a Luke Musgrave, a Sam LaPorter, a Will Mallory in the third or fourth round because you're likely not betting on them to do anything at that time. Give them a year or so to develop, and then if they do hit, you've got go- You got your George Kittle right then. And then in the third or fourth round, where if you take Michael Mayer in the first and you're expecting him to be this next great tight end, and then he doesn't beat, you just wasted a first-round pick. So if it's not tight end premium or super fl- – it, 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 even honestly, if it is tight end premium, I'm still taking the cheapest one because just the hit rates on tight ends is just so – It's so minimal that like I'm just I'm I'm wasting I'm using my high end picks on players like the wide receivers and and running backs because they'll retain their value for a long time, even if they don't hit right off the bat and and trying to take a bet on a, a cheaper tight end later.
1: But you do think Mayer will go in the first round of a rookie draft.
3: I expect him to be a back end of the first, early second pick because he's going to likely be a top 15, I think latest 20 NFL pick, and that will likely vault him up. I think, in rookie drafts because people will want to take him because they think he's the next best thing, which I think he has a chance to be. It's just not like set in stone that he will be.
2: So I've developed a theory over the last couple years that I'm just not going to draft the rookie tight ends. I mean, I'll wait a year to see how they progress. Yes, I'm going to pay a little more for them, but I know what I'm getting. I know I'm going to get somebody – that has a little bit of an NFL track record that maybe looks like they're going to be able to break out or already did break out, and I just need that piece to put me over the top so I'm willing to go pay for a productive tight end. It's it's just ending up that they're, they do, they're missing at, at a point. You're paying a premium for it. That being said, if there was a Kyle Pitts in this class, I would draft him. But that's the exception. I'm going to go with guys like that. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not drafting Mike Gesicki's high in rookie drafts anymore. And to me, Dalton Kincaid and Luke Musgrave, Will Mallory, those are Mike Gesicki types. They're not Kyle Pitts types.
1: Well, that will uh, do it for us uh, for this episode, looking at the uh, rookie pass catchers. But we're going to keep this uh, rookie train going next week as we uh, inch closer to the draft. We will embrace Mock Draft Monday and do our last pre-NFL draft rookie mock draft. It will be a four-round Superflex tight end premium. Uh, so I'll be curious to see where some of these uh, tight ends land. Uh, until then... Um, you guys can hopefully find us and, uh, subscribe, give us a rate and review, uh, still working on getting some of our back catalog of shows, uh, moved over. So, um, provide you updates when that comes, but, uh, until then you guys have anything else uh, to add before we get out of here for the weekend. Mm, I'd like to say
2: happy birthday
1: to my wife. It's her birthday.
3: Happy birthday, Jackie.
1: Hey, we just got another subscriber. (laughs) All right. Well, you guys take it easy, and we will see you on Monday for our next mock draft.